Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Schein. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I am Mark Schein, the national co-chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence at Marshall McLennan Agency, and I have a very special colleague here today, Maria Verulo. Maria, thanks for joining today. Great to be here, Mark. So, Maria, um, what you have done for cyber risk is unparalleled to basically anyone else in the world, in my opinion. Um, you were able to implement the Part 500 regulation here in New York State. Um, before we get to the Part 500 regulation, I really want to understand who is Maria, where did she grow up, how did she get into law and then into DFS? Boy, that's one an- that's one question with a very, very long answer, but I will try to be as uh, short as possible. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, a yep. uh, great place to grow up. Uh, my grandparents all came here from Italy. Uh, I grew up in a very kind of lower middle class, wonderful neighborhood. Um, there were no lawyers in my family, in my extended family. Uh, but I had a great upbringing, and so for some reason I was very interested in law school. Yep. Uh, can't really say why uh, or how it came to me, but um, I did do public speaking as a child. Uh, I did uh, was interested in kind of, you know, historical and political and current events, and I think that just drove me to being interested in the law. Sure. And so that's kind of uh, my background. And, and where did you attend law school? Uh, NYU. I got my law degree at uh, NYU School of Law. Excellent. So once you graduate NYU, is that when you went to Paul Weiss? So when I graduated from uh, NYU, I took one year and had a federal clerkship, which is a, you know not an atypical path. My interest was in litigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a summer associate at Paul Weiss, uh, and so I actually accepted the job of coming back to Paul Weiss after my clerkship, and that's what I did. And I started at Paul Weiss in October of 1988, and I stayed there for 27 years with um, two governmental posts that I left and came back from within that. Excellent. So tell me a little bit, Maria, I know that you're one of the leaders in protecting women's and human rights. I am. I, uh, it's one of the things that I'm uh, very proud of in, in the work that I did. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, I was in a very large uh, law firm for 27 years, terrific firm, and one of the reasons that I picked the firm was because of its um, devotion to the public interest and its pro bono work. And as a lawyer, both a young lawyer as well as you know a more senior lawyer there, um, I did uh, a lot of cases in the area of women's rights and human rights, uh, two big cases that I did was a very large case where I represented um, physicians who perform abortions and Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. uh, and uh, in some precedent-setting cases, and I also represented women who had been sexually assaulted in the former Yugoslavia in an Alien Tort Claims Act case um, that I tried in, so- in the Southern District of New York against Radovan Karadzic, who was the Bosnian Serb leader. Sure. So uh, I've done lots of other work, and I currently do um, work in my of nonprofit activities. I serve on uh, two boards, the National Institute of Reproductive Health and also the ERA Coalition. So Maria, with a, with as, a unique of a background as you had, really what inspired you to get into cyber risk? 
So um, really um, what inspired me to get into it was uh, the reality that cybersecurity was such an important issue that I had to face when I became the superintendent of the Department of Financial Services. So I became superintendent. Uh, the governor nominated me in the early part of 2016. And, you know, cybersecurity was such a great risk that our nation was facing. And it wasn't so shortly after the financial crisis, you know, of 2008, 2000. And when you look at kind of the financial services industry, and as superintendent, I was responsible for the banks and insurance companies in New York, which, of course, New York is the financial capital. So being responsible in New York was a was a heavy um, uh, task in that regard and kind of thinking about what could impact the financial services industry, obviously differently than what we experienced in the financial crisis. But we know how seriously that affected our economy, real people, lots of things, cybersecurity is in in many respects a greater risk than the circumstances that led to the recession that we experienced uh, in 2008-2009. And so that's what got me to um, very much focus on cybersecurity and the role that I had as superintendent. So, so Maria, when you were in superintendent, again, we talked about you enacting the Part 500 regulation. Yep. Tell us about, first of all, what is it? And then how did it come to be? Sure. So Part 500 was a cybersecurity regulation is that I, uh, you know, proposed and then ultimately uh, finalized in the early part of 2017. I proposed it in uh, the fall of 2016, and then it was finalized uh, to be effective March 1 of 2017. And what it is, is a regulation that requires all DFS regulated institutions to have certain cybersecurity protections, a cybersecurity policy, a program, must do a risk assessment, has to have an incident response, has to address encryption, pen testing, vulnerability assessments, all the things that those in this space understand to be kind of critical aspects of protecting the security of the institution. And so I did that in a regulation that is a requirement for all DFS regulated institutions. And I did it because my job as superintendent was the protection of the safety and soundness and the fiscal health of uh, the institutions that I over, uh, that I was responsible for overseeing, and cybersecurity is such a risk that I thought it was important to set out certain minimum standards that they all have to comply with. So, so when we look at financial institutions here in New York, does Part 500 apply to all entities, or are there certain entities that would be excluded under financial services? So DFS's um, obligation uh, and its jurisdiction is over all state-charted banks, uh, as well as certain non-banks like money transmitters, um, and uh, also over all insurance companies and agents licensed to do business in New York. So all all of those DFS-regulated uh, institutions are covered by Part 500. Now, in the banking area, not all banks are, uh, that do business in New York are regulated by DFS. There are many national banks that are instead regulated by the OCC. However, most of the foreign banks, which are very, very large institutions that have branches in uh, New York, are regulated by DFS and therefore are covered by Part 500. So that, in and of itself, has a significant impact 
impact on the global financial uh, system. On the insurance side, uh, many of the insurance companies that are licensed uh, by DFS obviously do work outside of New York, and to that extent, um, the, the, the regulation has you know, broader na nationwide implications, as well as the fact that the DFS regulation that I did led to the NAIC's model security law that a number of states have now passed. And so I think we are getting in the insurance space uh, much stronger protections for cybersecurity through that work that we did at DFS. So, so talking about the great work that you did at DFS, do you think that that model might get rolled out into a national type model rather than just here in New York? Well, as I just said, I think that, um, you know, the work that we did at DFS and the Part 500 regulation, which applies to insurance companies, led to the National Association of Insurance Commissioners passing a model law. So as I said, my, my regulation went into effect in the early part of 2017, uh, and then I actually urged the NAIC, the, the task force that was working on cybersecurity, uh, to move forward, and, and as a, you know, one of the members of the NAIC, uh, we enacted a data security model law in October of 2017 that uh, is modeled after the DFS regulation. And there have been, I think, close to now 10 other states that have already enacted that model law. So I do think that we are moving towards uh, a national model. Um, there have been other national regulators, I mean, including the FTIC that have commented favorably on the DFS regulation. Mm -hmm. um, um, they haven't actually imposed it themselves, but quite honestly, the principles that are encompassed in the DFS regulation are principles that a lot of people are talking about. Absolutely. They may not be actually mandated in particular areas, but they're definitely principles um, that are being talked about. I, I couldn't agree anymore. I think, again, the legislation that you were able to pass is one of the most talked about you know, here in New York, and uh, the fact that it is so highly respected and so highly... Um, um, almost a benchmark now for uh, for other types of laws to be passed. Well, I think that, that would be a great thing. I obviously um, am biased, but I think objectively speaking, we, we went through a very uh, elaborate process and had a lot of professionals uh, looking at what was the best uh, regulation to do. I think we accomplished that, and I also think it's important for these principles to be more widely dispersed, both for the protection of the industry and also to provide a consistent framework for companies to have to follow. Sure. So, Maria, I mean, we've spoken about Paul Weiss, what you've been able to do for human rights. Um, really, uh, Part 500, I guess my question to you, Maria, is you've had such a diverse background. You've accomplished so much in your professional career. How would you like to be remembered? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm too young to be uh, having my <laughs> obituary uh, <laughs> written right now. But, you know, I just um, – I and, and, and the, you know – there's still more work for me to do, I guess is what I will say. So uh, I'm not, um, you know, and to me, and I said this actually when I left DFS and in the statement that I issued when I left DFS, I mean, sort of that was a government service role. And I think, you know, working in the, pri in the public sector, uh, but also working in the private sector, you can have very, very similar goals, which is if the work that you do actually affects people, like real people, mm -hmm. then you've accomplished a lot. And that was what, you know, I felt in the work that I did at DFS. And I always, um, you know, 
told my staff, it's like you're always thinking about the people. I mean, real people. I mean, we can get caught up in lawyers, particularly in a very kind of like a sophisticated environment in the kind of legal issues or the business issues. But it's how does all of that affect real people? And if you do that in your life, then I think, at least for me, that's certainly what I would want people to think of me of on a daily basis. Again, um, my work is not uh, completely done. But um, if you just think about it in in sort of the world, uh, if every person touched one other person every day, then every person will be touched. And I think it's just an important uh, motto to live by. I love it. How can we reach you? So I have my own firm now. I'm doing consulting work, uh, and my website is www.vuloadvisory.com. And I'm sure that if you just Google my name, uh, you could probably find that website as well. Excellent. Um, Maria, before we let you go, is there anything that I should have asked you today that I didn't? Oh, there's probably lots of things, uh, but for purposes of cybersecurity, I think we've covered it. Uh, but there's lots of things that I'm interested in, and I'm always happy to talk about if anybody wants to reach out. Sure. Well, thank you for coming on the show and chatting cyber. Great. Thanks for having me. 